Was this song in Tiger King? No. It might have been. I don't know. Okay, so I asked for a full... Uh, I was like, dude, I asked Gian. I said, you seen Tiger King? He said, yeah. I said, what's it about? This dude went on for 15 minutes telling me. I'm like, yo, I don't care. I don't care. You got to stop, man. I don't... I don't. And he's like, you know, sometimes where you know when you talk about you watch things and it makes you feel bad? And I said, yeah, like I won't watch Shameless because I, I feel like, you know, Shameless makes me feel... Um, you know, just seeing, like, the, it's like depressing television. You know what I mean? It just makes me feel bad. You know, you see, like, people that are drug addicts and uh, that are just, you know, I don't know. Something about it, I'm like, yeah, I just don't feel like people living their watching people live their life like that. Um, I just have no interest in it. You know, people going through hard times and stuff like that. Like, yeah, there's enough people going through hard times in real life. I don't want to watch it on TV. Right? You ever get that way? You ever see things where you're just like, nah, no. yeah, I don't know about that. No, no, I, I go, I, I like it's a train wreck, dude. I can't look away. Like <laughs> that was, like I, I don't know why you won't watch it because it literally is like it's, it's really done well as far as like a documentary style. Like they ask, like they're not afraid to ask the questions. Like the people making the, the whole documentary are like aggressive in their approach, and they use like hidden cameras, and they, they try to like even like get evidence on these people, like. They're all terrible people. It's just crazy that this goes on. And these people make millions of, like, millions, believe you know. Like, these people own these Zooms and make so much money. Like, I've known people, like, on my timeline, like, on, like, Instagram and, and Twitter that, like, have went to Myrtle Beach and actually, like, been to those zoos and stuff. Like, people, like, are all over. Like, it, it's crazy, like, how it's blowing up now. And all these people are getting investigated for all these different crimes. It's just nuts. Yeah, no, I just I I can't. After listening to after listening to all of that, um, you know the the entire explanation of who's who, and then he's talking. I saw BC had, uh, tweeted out some guy got a tattoo of this Carol Baskin lady, and or Carol did it or something on his thigh. I'm like, you know what what is wrong with people uh, that I don't even OJ Simpson came out and said that he watched it, and he that's the first thing he thought. He said white people leave these exotic animals alone, and he's a hundred percent right. Like. What are you doing? Uh, I can't watch it. I just, I, I just can't, and and won't do it. Just won't do it. Uh, did you see the rumors surrounding uh, Julian Edelman, the 34-year-old wide receiver, in the final year of uh, his deal with the Patriots? I uh, did went not. over a thousand yards. Could it be possible that Julian Edelman might be joining the rest of the uh, uh, the, the Detroit Patriots? Hmm? Really? Yeah. Bill Simmons seems to have, uh, and I thought that uh, Edelman to Detroit could be uh, a possible move, and. Uh, Colin Coward kind of supported that uh, that claim as well by saying, "Oh, it's been talked about." Interesting. He's got a dead cap hit of 8.3 million on his contract for 2020. A trade with the Lions doesn't necessarily uh, make sense, but if Edelman is traded, a more suitable partner could be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Is it time for New England to just just clear house? I think it is. I think it is. I saw like interesting mock where they were like trading in you know, trading down and around or trading up, I'm sorry, and grabbing, like, Jordan Love or grabbing Justin Herbert. Like, I think it's time to hit the reset button. Wow. Wow. Can you – and all they had to do, all they had to do was appreciate Tom. Right? Yeah. That's all he wanted to. He just wanted to feel appreciated. Wanted that money. That's unbelievable. All the hometown discounts he took, and he just wanted to feel appreciated. It's very interesting. It's very interesting the role that that plays in uh, in in individuals' decisions of where they want to play in the future, and, and that's something I think that a lot of us can relate to in our own personal lives as well. You know, at the end of the day, 
you know, it doesn't matter where you work or uh, how much money you are working for. I think that a majority of people just want to feel like they are uh, recognized for their contributions. Correct. Right? You just don't. You just don't want to be a number, right? You just don't want to be a guy that, you know, that you walk into the office one day, you say hi to everybody, or you walk into, you know, whatever plant. You're just a, you're just an employee with a number. I'm number two eight four six one or whatever. And you know, if I get sick, whatever, you know, I'll call in sick to my boss, and they'll be like, okay, they'll keep it moving or whatever. Maybe I'll get chewed out for being sick or. You know, whatever the case may be, you want that human element of, you know, being, being appreciated, being um, cared about from an employment status, uh, stature. And I just think that if you are Tom Brady, and I'm not, and it's a, it's a delicate situation when you start to look at you know players and and people of this stature and this kind of employment because you don't want to go egomaniac, right? You don't want to hand everything to them and be like, look. Without you, we'd be nothing. Thank you so much for you know everything you do. Here's a billion dollars. Like the the reason the Patriots have been able to be so successful, it hasn't necessarily even been because you look at the hometown discounts he's taken. Who, what kind of splash signing outside of Randy Moss have they really made? Like where was Mohamed Sanu? What? Why did they make that deal for Mohamed Sanu? You know they tried out some different guys uh, who would come and go. You know the Josh Gordon experiment or whatever. And and Randy Moss seemed to be the guy that worked the best uh, from a splash kind of uh, signing for New England. But how in the world do you not make this this man who has given 20 years of the organization, given these hometown discounts, how can you not go out and sign some top-tier talent with the money that you have? You might even be able to convince those guys to take a little bit less because here's what we're doing. And that's where it comes down to what is your... For certain players like Tom Brady, you can take less money because you know that your financial opportunities are basically endless, right? You can make just as much or even more money off the field doing endorsements. Yeah. You know, find a couple products you like, like, uh, I don't know, Aston Martin, for example, is one of the uh, one of the brands that's on with Tom Brady. Started his own uh, company, TB12. You know, that that's possible for a guy like Tom Brady who can take a hometown discount. But if you're looking at a guy like a Julian Edelman, like, the, you know, does he need to maximize his salary? Or does he believe that what he has right now, what he has right now in in place is enough to carry him? Right? Does he want to play for championships, or does he want to play for paychecks? And I think that that's a that's a question that a lot of guys have to ask themselves. And depending on how you budget, and and I think that's an individual decision. Like I could go to let's say, you know, let's say the New England Patriots are looking at you, Jake. They're looking at you, and they're going to pay you, you know, two million dollars a season to join their team. Um, this is last year, right? They still have Brady. Uh, they still have everything. Steams like it's still going well there. Or you can go to Cincinnati. Well, that's a terrible example because they won't they won't pay anybody. Or you can go to Cleveland, right? And Cleveland's going to pay you twelve million dollars a year. You you're going to be the highest paid punter in the league, right? Um, which one are you going to do? Do you want to go play for the title, or do you want to make as much money as you possibly can? I think in these situations in all sports, it's all circumstantial. Like I have like a mm-hmm. bunch of questions, like how old am I? You know what I'm saying? Like how? Oh, this guy. How old am I? Um, you are in the middle of your career. Uh, I'm going to take the money. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the money. I'm sorry. Like I now you know I believe winning is everything, but I'm gonna go play for Cleveland, and then oh, may, maybe we and win. That's fair. Maybe we <laughs> win. You know, but that you know, ten million dollars is a big difference. You know, if it was like you know two or three, maybe I can think about it a lot more. But you're offering me twelve. I'm taking that a hundred percent of the time. Patriots offer you nine. Browns offer you twelve. 
I go to the Patriots. That's okay. that's so, that's so that closer. dollar amount. That dollar amount's close enough to make you feel like, yeah, I could sacrifice a little bit for that for that chance at the ring. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. Um, all circumstantial. That's a really good way to put it. And these are these are questions that guys have to deal with on a regular basis. Um, these are questions that you know teams have to be able to figure out on a regular basis, and that's why I really enjoy leagues that are salary capped. Um, because and and you know in the in Major League Baseball when you get teams that can just write these astronomical checks. And it's like, okay, well, that team's worth, you know, look at the Yankees. The Yankees took a step back for how many years? You know, how long were the Yankees, um, you know, really not as good as they they are now? Because they can go out and they can buy, they can go out and buy whatever talent they want. And in the salary cap leagues, when guys are trying to maximize, now the NBA's got so much money, guys are getting a little picky and choosy, like, yeah, no, I can make this much money here and I can go there and I can play with my friends and, and that makes it a little bit interesting. The depth of the overall league is much better uh, today than it than it's ever been. But the the idea that the the NFL and how they have to structure their contracts and get everything to fit in that puzzle, man, I I always find that very very intriguing. And I don't, I don't know, you know, a lot of people say that their salaries should be guaranteed. Um, you know, I'm I'm all for the lifetime health insurance. I have no problem with that. But I think the guaranteed salary is like the worst thing that can happen in sports because I think that you start to lose guys from a competitive fervor st- uh, type of standpoint. And I think that you actually, um, you know, that with the way that the, uh, NA- the NFL is structured, it does make things more competitive on a year-to-year basis as far as guys working to keep their spot. The salary cap is always plays an interesting role in how guys and when guys sign. And for a guy like Julian Edelman to have a, the cap hit that he that he does if they decide to trade him like I just don't know if that's worth it but if you're New England you have to hit the entire uh, as you said the reset button you have to start over as I mentioned to coach Candle weeks ago my friend this I thought that that move is the beginning of the end for Boston sports it's gonna hurt them so bad Mookie Betts gone Tom Brady gone if Edelman's next, I, I think it's going to be a trade because I'm looking right here at their cab situation, and they it's would a disaster. They would only be saving 1.3 million if they cut him, so they would have 8.3 million in dead cap. He's owed 9.6 this year, so yeah, it just doesn't make. A, you you got to try to get something uh, in return if you can to offset that. But I just I, I don't know, man. And they, you know, and they've tried, like, you know, you talked about, like, big splash. Like, usually something they would do is once, you know, they drive somebody like Trey Flowers and they're just not going to pay him. But, I mean, they paid Stephon Gilmore. He's owed 18.6 this year. And then, you know, they paid uh, Joe Thune, and that's all guaranteed. They couldn't even cut him and save anything if they wanted to. It's all guaranteed money. So, and he's at almost $15 million. And Edelman, like I said, is right under ten. You know, it's pretty interesting. Like, I'm looking down. They have so many guys. Like, I, I mean, I'm talking, like, 10, 15 guys that all make like two million a year. Oh, of course. Like they that way, you know. But it's pretty top heavy. You got like Sanu and Shaq Mason in this in the same range, and Marcus Cannon in the same range. But and yeah. Mohamed Sanu, like, where was he at last year? Oh, nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. And why? I don't know. And they gave up a second round pick, which is like gold to the Patriots. Yeah, it's just it, there are a lot of things that haven't added up, and I think that. Um, I'm really rooting for Tom Brady. I'm not necessarily rooting for Brady versus Belichick because that's going to be the storyline. If if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go 12 and 12 and four, and the New England Patriots go, um, I don't know, let's just say uh, seven and nine, or or six and ten, or five and eleven, or whatever the case may be, 
if the Bucks have a better year and they finish double-digit wins and they go to the playoffs or potentially um, screw around and win their division, dude, it's going to be it, Tom Brady is the reason Bill Belichick is any good. And I just don't think that that's a fair assessment. I'm not standing up for Bill Belichick. I'm just saying in general, I think that there is, when you look at a team and you look at a chemistry, you look at the way a franchise is run, I, I think that you can't be shy of giving credit where credit is due. So you can say that, yeah, we have a great coach and we have a great quarterback. We got great receivers. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just, it's going to be an unfair assessment here in year one, but it's so far at the end of his career. If Brady plays for a couple more years and takes Tampa Bay to a Super Bowl or takes him to multiple playoff appearances while the uh, the Patriots flounder, then we all kind of know what it is, right? We all know what it is. We all know what Bill Belichick was before he got to, um, he got to New England and when he was with Drew Bledsoe there in the Patriots, 5-13. and 13. All of a sudden, Tom Brady comes. And I, I look, man, I say what you want about Brady, but, I mean, I don't think anybody else is going to argue. You could say the greatest of all time. And the, what, are, what are people going to say? They're going to bring up Joe Montana? Oh, okay, great argument. That's a wonderful argument. I would love to argue about how great I am with another person that's considered the greatest of all time. Like, that's the class. We're not talking about Philip Rivers and Eli Manning here. We're talking about Joe Montana. You know? so Pey- Peyton a, Manning, yeah. Yeah, and Peyton Manning, which is, I mean, you talk about a guy that uh, – I mean, great regular seasons, but, I mean, playoffs. Still got two on two different teams, which, you know, I think that's – Oh, my God. You could have put me out there. Okay, me is a bad example, but the Denver Broncos won in spite of him. He was terrible. He He was was terrible. He was, but do you you remember the year before that? The year before that, he was lights out still. He was, and then he got – what was it, an injury? I think it was his his neck, wasn't it, or was it – Was that the year he got the neck fused? Or, or he, he was injured at some point. Dude, why do I feel like this is 100 years ago? It feels like 100 years ago. That, was, the, that was like the most boring Super Bowl, I think, in my lifetime. That was Cam Newton. That was Super Bowl 50. That's yep. Cam Newton won't jump on the fumble. And yeah. that, that, at that point right there, I was like, I don't care how many MVPs he wins. That's not a winning play. He was afraid to jump on the fumble. Yeah, that was such a boring Super Bowl. Because the year before that, that was when Seattle um, absolutely destroyed Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Stuff out there in the West. It can be. You go west of the Mississippi, be careful. Uh, you know what? Hey, I want to remind you all, Monroe Street Diner here in Toledo, 419-472-0888. The Monroe Street Diner located at 4514 Monroe Street, now offering uh, takeout and delivery to you. So get your favorites from the Monroe Street Diner just by calling 419-472-0888. Follow them on Twitter at MSD Toledo or on Facebook at Monroe Street Diner uh, Toledo. Jake Woods has got our great clips, greatest clip of the day. And how about we throw it back to Danny Ainge in BYU. And if I'm not mistaken, BYU beats Notre Dame here. You got it. All right, and I believe this is in 1981. Yes. All right, so there we go. Danny Ainge, 1981. BYU beats Notre Dame in the NCAA tournament. Your great clips, greatest clip of the day. 15 seconds to play. Notre Dame has to do something different. Sensational. Trafuka Scott with nine seconds. Notre Dame ahead by one. And there are eight seconds to go. Ainge against Paxson. Five seconds. Inside. Ainge scores. For two seconds, one second on the clock, it is all over. It is all over. But it looked like Notre Dame was going to have Kelly Trapuca as the hero. The what hero's banner drive, is man. lost by Notre Dame, and the hero's banner goes to Danny Ainge. 